few Jim and congregation for that ministry in music. He did a good job. I decided to come down and join you tonight. We're a little smaller group than usual. And so, uh, this is my attempt to be a little more informal, but it doesn't go much beyond this. Uh, so, tonight I'm going to be talking about uh, the preaching of God's Word. I have who speaks for God in a postmodern world. Remember that uh, one of the characteristics of postmodernity is that truth exists everywhere in part, nowhere in whole. So it becomes uh, quite difficult to know where to go to turn to the truth. Where are you going to hear truth? And it becomes kind of audacious in postmodernism to uh, say that what you are doing is teaching or proclaiming the truth. So, tonight we look at the practical application of inspiration. And that is the primary, the primacy of preaching. So, if you look at the introduction, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. We looked at inspiration last week. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Well, that's great. Well, here's the practical application. I charge thee, therefore, because of the word of God's inspiration and because it thoroughly furnishes, therefore, before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, it is appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I put the verses there. Verse two, which is the key verse. In uh, King James, NIV, NAS, and they all translate that, preach the word. So theme, a practical consideration of the charge to preach the word of God. The charge to preach God's word speaks to issues of method, material, moment, and manner. And I'm going to unpack all of those from these verses tonight. First, the charge to preach the word of God is a charge with respect to methodology. The following verses instruct us concerning how... The word of God is to be presented. That is, it is to be preached. I charge thee, verse 2, preach the word. The command to preach the word of God appears 61 times in the scripture. Now that's pretty remarkable when you think about it. 61 times it says, preach the word. And uh, it doesn't say, teach the word. It says, preach the word. The word preach is the word from which our English word proclaim is derived. Another good translation would be to herald. A herald was a person who was entrusted with an authoritative message that was to be delivered to all subjects of a city or an area. Um, think of the town crier. Can you remember pictures of the, the town crier? He was the official representation of the local government. And he'd stand out there with his bell. Hear ye! Hear ye! Hear ye! Hear ye! And he would proclaim what decision was just made. He would announce what was to take place. He would cry out in a loud voice and inform the peoples of what had happened. That is the imagery of preaching the Word of God. So, preaching is the God-given method by which his word is to be delivered. Therefore, the best way to communicate God's word is through preaching. 
application. Preaching is the best way to communicate God's word when the proper goal is in view. First, the goal is not to entertain. I'll be the first to admit that there are more entertaining ways to be instructed in the word of God than preaching. There are dramas, there are all kinds of things that would be far more interesting to many than the proclamation of the word of God. The goal is not to get everyone involved. Most of you will come and sit. And you don't have any formal part in the service. Uh, Tonight, you were uniquely included in the ministry of music. But that doesn't often happen. Uh, So, preaching is not very participatory. And thirdly, the goal is not to foster interaction. Uh, There is not give and take in preaching. There's not a dialogue. It is not, I say to you one thing and then, then you respond back to me. And that is very alien to our culture and our society. Uh, in this postmodern world, everybody wants to have their, their thought recognized. You know, if you listen to most of the modern um, newscasts, well, can I listen to a modern newscast because who wants to listen to a 10-year-old newscast? But if you, if you, if you think of uh, CNN and uh, the news networks, many of them are uh, having websites. And uh, you can email your response. You can email your participation, your questions, your thoughts, your comments. And uh, that actually is becoming very popular even in church services. And there are a number of churches now that have big screens. And behind that are text messages that are sent during the sermon. Preach it, brother. Or, I'm not so sure about that. And, and people can react and you have this dialogue that's going on during the worship service of people's take on what the, the preacher is saying. That, that is becoming the vogue of uh, interaction within the church service. But preaching in most settings is not very interactive. But the goal is to accurately deliver the Word of God. The goal is to proclaim what God has said. You see, it wouldn't be real helpful for the town crier to to say, now what do you think? Uh, Should that decision have been made or or not been made? Or or what's your take? Or what would you have done if you were in government? Uh, That doesn't get the message across. That doesn't communicate accurately the uh, message that the herald is to deliver. Secondly, the charge to preach the word of God is a charge with respect to material. Timothy is not merely commanded to preach, but to preach the word of God. Therefore, preaching must be biblical. Here we have the practical application of the authority, centrality, and the sufficiency of the word of God. The authority of the word of God. Because the scripture is God's word, it is authoritative. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It means it is God-breathed. It is God's God-breathed. It is, in fact, God's word. And that's why it is to be heralded. For this is what God has said. Secondly, the centrality of the word of God. Because God's word is profitable, the message should center upon the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's useful. It's not irrelevant. It's not impractical. It's not ethereal. It's not purely academic. 
But the Bible is useful. It's relevant. It is profitable. And thirdly, the sufficiency of the word of God. Because God's word is profitable for every good work and provides the preacher with all that is needed. He should preach nothing other than the scripture. Verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Thus, the source of our preaching should not be Time Magazine, Newsweek, psychological journals, or texts on human development. We are to preach the word. And secondly, thus the source of our preaching should not be the preacher's own thoughts or agenda or desires. He is not to preach what he wants to preach. He is to preach the word of God. So D, the proper relationship to preaching in the word of God is expository preaching. Uh, Jack mentioned, may mention that tonight. I don't think you knew what the topic was, did you? Okay, so unsolicited. Thank you for uh, talking about expository preaching in your, uh, your prayer. Expository preaching, for uh, overly simplistic definition, begins with, continues in, and finishes with the biblical text. In other words, the text is central from the beginning to the end of the message. Uh, It's not, you know, you read the scripture and then you're off on some tangent that has nothing to do with a biblical text. Expository preaching is is intricately tied to the text. Expository preaching is exegesis, which simply means leading out of the text as opposed to eisegesis, which is reading into the text. We're not to read into a meaning of the text. It is not to be whatever this text means to you. You're not to bring the meaning to the text. You're to take the meaning from the text. You are to see what the text has to say, and then you are to respond to that. You are to believe it. You are to act upon it. But you are to, to receive what the text has to say. So every point of a biblical message should be derived from the biblical text. Topical preaching begins with a preacher's idea of what he wants to say and then results in a text that seems to support whatever point he wants to get across. That's known as proof texting. Uh, That is unacceptable. Now you say, wait a minute, isn't this a topic that you're doing on Sunday nights? Yes, but I'm doing it not in a topical manner. I'm doing it in an expository manner. I am taking the points from the text. I didn't decide what I wanted to say and then look for something that says that and hope that it fits somehow. So that A, human ideas are not to be preached, but rather God's word is to be preached. B, topical preaching, just to give you an idea, on preaching might include such ideas as preaching should be long or short, with or without notes. All those kinds of discussions could go on as to what contemplates or uh, what uh, consists of good preaching. But the point is, you're not going to find a text that says you ought to preach without notes. Or you're going to find a text that says you should preach with notes. Uh, those things are uh, are outside of the text. They're not under the purview of the scripture. So that what happens in biblical preaching is you limit yourself to what the text says. You don't add to it and you don't subtract from it. Thirdly, the charge to preach the word of God with respect to moment. 
When should God's word be preached? Answer, God's word should always be preached. This is one aspect of absolute truth. Absolute truth is true in all times and all places. And because absolute truth is true in all times and all places, because the Bible is absolute truth, therefore preaching is always valid in all times and all places. And so we have this exhortation in verse 2. Preach the word, be instant, be ready, in season and out of season. And he asks, be ready, in season and out of season. Preaching the word of God in season is when the word of God is welcomed, when the word of God is appreciated, when the word of God is valued, when people want to hear preaching. And there have been some remarkable periods of time in our history in which people loved to hear preaching. One of those instances is in the, uh, the Puritan era uh, in uh, England and then later in the United States in the 16 and 1700s. Uh, it was not uncommon for sermons to be three hours long and nobody seemed to mind. And nobody seemed to care. They, they were ready uh, to hear the word of God and they wanted to uh, have it preached. There have been times uh, in uh, time past when sermons would be regularly published in the newspaper because people would want to read them. Uh, can't imagine today uh, our local newspaper saying, you know, we'd really like to have a copy of your message. Uh, everybody wants to read it. Um, no, it's, it's foreign to us today. But there were times like that. Preaching the word out of season. Preaching is out of season when, first, people lose interest in the word of God. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. A. When there is a loss of respect for the authority of God's word, then there is a loss of desire for authoritative preaching of God's word. If you don't think the Bible is relevant... If you don't think the Bible is important, then you don't particularly want to hear it. And B, there has been and continues to be a movement away from preaching in the evening services. In the 60s and early 70s, there was a movement from preaching to gospel films. Uh, and uh, Sunday nights became very, very common to you know, be showing gospel films, whether they be Billy Graham films or uh, Thief in the Night, all that kind of stuff. People came back on Sunday nights to watch a movie. In the late 70s and 80s, there was a movement away from gospel films to gospel concerts. And so you came on Sunday night to hear a musical group. And uh, you'd hear them minister, perform, and uh, that was what was taking place. In the late 80s and then in the 90s, there was a movement away from the gospel concerts to drama in small groups. Uh, and so then that was replaced with Let's Have Drama. And then eventually that was replaced with small groups. Rather than meet like this, why don't we meet in small groups, 10, 15 people, uh, much more interaction, much more time to share, much more time to be involved in each other's life, fellowship, promote, uh, get to know each other better, etc., etc., all of which has undermined preaching dramatically. And what happened in the evening service is now happening in the morning service because most churches now don't have evening services. And so those same kinds of, of uh, integration of different desires is taking place now in morning worship services of which there is much less centrality of the preaching of the Word of God than it once was. Uh, certainly music is having a tremendous impact on the morning worship service, so much so that 
in our day and age, in our culture, worship has almost become synonymous with music. Let's now worship the Lord. What does that mean? For many people, that means let's sing. Let's sing. Uh, so that there, there, there has been this, this tremendous uh, shift away from the preaching of the Word of God. Secondly, preaching is out of season when people lose confidence in the Word of God. Verse 4, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. Uh, they replace the Word of God with something else. When the Word of God is no longer uh, valued in terms of the confidence that we, we place in it, uh, can we really rely upon God's Word? And when I'm saying rely, I'm not talking necessarily about inerrancy. Uh, we're not talking about facts of creation. But do we, do we really want to rear our children in light of what the Word of God says? Do we really want to conduct our, our home life in light of the word, what the Word of God says? Do we really want to construct our relationships of men and women according to what the Word of God says? Aren't those culturally uh, binding? Aren't, aren't, aren't those irrelevant to, to our day and age? And so three, preaching is out of season when people lose committedness to the Word of God. But after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, verse 3. You see, rather than hear the Word of God, they want to have people that will and notice the change from preach to teach. I think that's significant. After their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Uh, people don't like authoritative preaching. Uh, they don't like raising the voice. They don't like thus says the Lord. And so instead they will have teachers that are going to teach them what they want to hear. Uh, what, what, what they're interested in. What they're concerned about. And the church is catered to that immensely. The modern evangelical church is all about finding out what people want. What, what people are interested in what people want to hear, doing surveys, doing all kinds of things to say, now, what, what would you really like to take place on a Sunday night? What, what, what topic would you like to hear? And as opposed to working your way through a text, uh, it's all about what, what people are interested in, what they would, would like. And so there is a lack of commitment uh, to the Word of God. But not only is there a lack of commitment on the part of the hearer, but there's a lack of commitment on the part of, of the preacher. I am convinced that one of the reasons that there has been a demise in the evening service is because preachers didn't want to preach on Sunday nights. It was easier for other things to be done. Not much preparation to showing a gospel film. Not much time and energy has to be invested in that. Not a lot of responsibility on the pastor for small groups. That's up to the small group leader. Uh, maybe he has to administer to some degree. Maybe not even do that. Uh, it's a night off. It's, it's a, a time in which uh, his week is easier. There's less responsibility. There's less committedness on both parts. There's less committedness on the part of the pulpit to the preaching of God's word and less committedness on the part of, of uh, most congregations to God's Word. One of the things that I've lamented and that I've seen uh, in the ministerial candidate committee, just watching men come through, is the majority of our men are not interested in preaching. Uh, they want to counsel. 
they want to uh, work with whatever, but, but most of them are not particularly interested in proclaiming the Word of God. Uh, that, to me, uh, is sad, and it's also a bit scary, uh, that in a very practical way. The preachers themselves are not committed to the preaching of God's Word. So, lessons. First, this verse teaches us that preaching is not cultural and should never be abandoned. This verse also teaches us that preaching will not always be in vogue. It moves from being in season to being out of season. We live in a time when preaching is out of season. In many instances, the people of God have lost interest in preaching. In many instances, the people of God have lost confidence in preaching. Will it be effective? Can it really reach this new generation? In this postmodern world, can we really expect preaching to be effective? And unfortunately, in setting after setting, the answer has become in a very practical way, no. No, it's outdated. It's outmoded. It's not really for this technological age that we are in. And so, in many instances, the people of God have lost a committedness to preaching. Uh, We just don't do it. Uh, We just don't uh, experience it. Fourthly, the charge to preach the Word of God with respect to the manner in which the Word of God is to be preached. The Word of God is to be preached in such a way that the preaching is forceful, authoritative. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be instant, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Those are all very authoritative words. This includes reproof. Reproof. Reproof encompasses the idea of conviction. Preaching should be with conviction and bring about conviction. Uh, Preaching ought to begin with the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the preacher so that he passionately believes what he's going to proclaim. It begins with his own conviction. It begins with his own uh, sense of repentance, what the Word of God teaches. He allows the Word of God to impact him and then seeks to have the Word of God impact others. There ought to be, when the Word of God is preached, a confidence that the one who's proclaiming that Word really believes it. There, there ought to be that, that, that sense that you know that that person is committed to this truth. And from it comes a desire to share in that commitment. That's one of the things that really separates the concept of preaching and teaching. That whole aspect of that, that personal confidence and conviction. Secondly, this includes rebu- rebuke. The Greek word for rebuke is to warn. Preaching should be filled with warning. That should warn against heaven and hell. It should be warned against living unrighteously. That should warn against the, the times of, of the day and age in which we live. A part of this series is warning about the impact of postmodernism on our culture and moving us away from expository preaching. It should include warning. And this includes exhortation. To exhort is to encourage. Preaching should be filled with an encouragement to follow the Lord. It should be refreshing. It should be renewing. I hope that if you were here this morning, that you were encouraged as you heard the Word of God about Jesus' restoration of Peter and how he can restore us. About how he experienced God's grace and mercy and how we can experience God's grace and mercy when we fail. 
uh, we should be encouraged. We should be uplifted as we sit under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. B. The Word of God is to be preached in such a way that the preaching is filled with confidence in that which is preached. Preach the Word be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience. With great patience, there is in relationship to others, but it's also in the preaching itself. It's to believe that over time, over time, God is going to work through His Word. Over time, if you, if you give it time enough, the Word of God is going to be effectual. You're going to see value. You're going to see fruit. You're going to see benefit. It may not be today, but if a congregation has been faithfully uh, taught and preached the Word of God, then you're going to see the fruit in people's lives and in that congregation. Notice Isaiah 55.10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper the thing whereunto I sent it. So the word of God is likened unto this rain and snow that comes down out of heaven, that over a period of time, that rain and that snow produces fruit. So too, the faithful preaching of the word of God over time will produce fruit in the lives of those who sit under it. See, the word of God is to be preached in such a way that the preaching is to be instructive. Preach the word. Be, be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Teaching should be taking place in the, in the, in the context of preaching. There should be content in preaching. Uh, there should be truth that is conveyed. We have an example of this kind of instructional preaching in the scripture. Nehemiah 8.8. 8. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear, giving the meaning so that these people could understand what is being read. These are three things that I think needs to be present in every uh, biblical sermon. First, they read from the text. They read from the text. It starts with the text. You refer to the text. Secondly, they explained the text. They read from the book of the law, making it clear. Making it clear. Uh, you help people understand what the Word of God says. It doesn't just jump to application. I uh, try to stay current, and I just uh, read a, a book uh, uh, from uh, the uh, preacher uh, of the Mars Hill Church in Seattle. Uh, he's getting loads of uh, play, and, uh, uh, but I found it fascinating because I picked it up, and it was... Uh, entitled, uh, what was it entitled? Doctrine, that's what it was entitled. What every believer should believe. Uh, but what struck me about it was it's the first systematic theology in which there was no discussion of Scripture. There were footnotes. There were footnotes. Uh, so that you could go and discuss it. But basically it was saying, here's what you should believe. And he's a very authoritative individual. But you see, that's not sufficient. It's, it's not, believe this because I tell you this. Believe this because that's what the Word of God says. The preacher's authority is always to be 
the Bible. The preacher has no authority apart from the Bible. There is absolutely no reason for you to listen to anything that I say that isn't founded on the Word of God. It's not because I'm wiser. It's not because I'm more knowledgeable. It's because this is what the Word of God says. So it starts with the text. You read the text. You explain the text. And then thirdly, then you apply the text. Giving the meaning so the people could understand what was being read. All right. So what does this have to do with us? Uh, but you see, there should be that process that takes place. So in closing, and I know I went through this quickly. So let me slow down in the final application. Good preaching should accomplish four things. This is what we should expect to be the result of biblical preaching. First, good preaching should lead people to revere the text. Nehemiah 8.5, as he opened the Bible, as he opened it, the people stood up. Uh, there was a reverence for the text. Um, I don't know that we necessarily have to stand every time the Word of God is read, but we should be reading the Word of God publicly. And so we have the public reading of Scripture. But it's the way in which the, the Bible is presented so that it is un, not undermined, it is not undercut, it's not devalued. But preaching should, should raise our estimation of the Bible. It should give us confidence. It is the authoritative Word of God. Truth. And preaching should do that. Not only that, but, but preaching should say, you know, this, this Bible really is relevant. It really does speak to what I have to say. It should encourage you to spend time yourself in the Word of God. One of the uh, difficulties in uh, the Catholic Church in the time of the Reformation was they were discouraging people from reading the Scripture. Uh, the Reformation was huge because the idea was that, that the Word of God is open to all. And so we don't have the, the typical uh, forefront uh, here of uh, what is very, very common uh, to have a, a communion table and a Bible sitting on it. But if we were to have a communion table with a Bible sitting on it, the, the, the reason for that is it's symbolic. And what happens is when that Bible sits on the, on the communion table, it's always facing the congregation. Meaning it's open to them. It's open to you. It is not the sole uh, realm of the preacher. Uh, it's open to you. So, it should lead us to revere the text. Secondly, good preaching should lead us to understand the text. We should become more knowledgeable in the Word of God as we sit under the preaching of the, of the Scripture. You should know the Bible stories. You should get an overview, a, a sense, okay? You get a command of the Word of God. Third, good preaching should lead people to apply the text um, so that when you are reading the Word of God on your own, uh, that it's impacting your, your life. Uh, it's transforming you. And then fourthly, good preaching should lead people to maturity in handling the text. Preaching should model how to handle the Word of God. And as a result, you should become better at your ability to understand the Word of God as it's modeled for you 
how to do that. Uh, quite frankly, I'm thrilled with our Wednesday night prayer meeting and the men that open the Word of God. And what thrills me the most is that, almost without exception, the messages we hear are expository. They are not people sitting down and saying, now what do I want to say? And come up with an outline of five things they want to say and then try to find something in the Bible that says that. But almost to a man, they are working through a text, verse by verse by verse. Uh, that is exciting to me because that's the way the Bible should be handled. That's what we should do. You see, it's far easier. It's far, far easier to prepare a sermon in which you sit down and you say, now what do I want to say? And come up with five points and then try to find a proof text for it. You can do that in 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, expository preaching takes a lot of time because you have to labor over the text. You have, to, you have to ask, what does this say? What does this mean? How can I explain it? Uh, how, how can I make it clear? And then what do we do with it? Uh, that takes time. So, conclusion. Preaching is out of vogue and it's going to become even more out of vogue as postmodernism impacts us more and more. There's going to be a, a desire to do something else. And the real challenge, I think, doesn't really affect this core group. You know, I'm preaching to the choir, as they say, because you're here and you tolerate and you sit under it, and I hope even appreciate it to some degree. But I tell you, the real challenge that is before us is of people who haven't been exposed to expository preaching. Why would they be drawn to it? Why would they want that? Uh, why would they want to spend... You, I hope you realize how rare it is that we spend 45 minutes preaching. Maybe you wish we didn't, but, but we do, and it's extremely, extremely rare. You know, most places it's, it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour at tops, but... 45 minutes. Uh, I was interviewed uh, by a church that basically wanted, they said, a preaching pastor. And uh, they said, you know, we'd like you to consider coming and all we want you to do is preach. That's it. Preach. And as we talked, uh, they said, uh, now, now we've been listening to your sermons. And most of them could actually be three sermons. They're pretty long. They're pretty involved. And so if, if you just kind of divide them up where you're not covering as much material. This is a church that says that primarily what they want is preaching. But it was too long. I, so I appreciate your tolerance. And I believe even more than tolerance. I, I actually think that you welcome it. I hope that you do. But the question is, how is that going to be commuted to another generation that that is totally foreign to? What is going to make them want to hear preaching? I submit to you as the Spirit of God. That the Holy Spirit at work in them will create a desire. I really do think that if you're born again, you want to understand. You want to have this deeper relationship with God. And when you come to a place where you can get that, where what you didn't formally 
formerly understand. Now you understand. Now you begin to grasp. That actually becomes exciting. And uh, I've been encouraged because we have uh, some newer people with us that, man, expository preaching was as far from their experience as can be. And yet they have really grown to appreciate it. They're, they're thankful for it. And that's the kind of confidence that we have to have. Uh, in this postmodern world, uh, sure. How can you explain that anybody would be interested in it? Because the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The power comes in the Word itself. It's not in the, in, the, in the preacher. It's in the Word. And it is that Word that is going to affect the hearts and lives of innovation, of, 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 of people. So our goal is not to be one of uh, innovation. Our goal is to be one of inundation. Uh, not try to do something bright and shiny and different, but rather to just simply allow the Word of God to impact lives like it will and it can. And many of you can bear witness to uh, the value that the Word of God has been to you over the years and to your family. Uh, Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your Word. And Lord, may we be committed to preaching your Word. Uh, May we be committed to the sufficiency of your Word, uh, the authority of your Word, And as we encounter more and more people that aren't interested in the preaching of your word, may we not be tempted to leave it behind. May we not be tempted to go in another direction. But Lord, to realize that this is the God-given means that you have provided your church uh, to understand your truth, uh, that life-forming, transforming truth. So Lord, please transform our lives through the preaching of your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.